Hi, I'm Justine. And I'm Sarah LaVon. And we are so glad you're here. We believe that your life has the potential to make a deep, meaningful impact on the world around you. You, as a nurse, have the ability to add value to every single person and patient you touch. We want to inspire you with resources, education, and stories to support you to live your absolute best life, both in and outside of work. But don't expect perfection over here. We're just here to have some conversations about anything birth, work, and life, trying to add some happy to your hour as we all grow together. By nurses, for nurses, this is Happy Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. This episode is a treat. I am so excited. This has been in our queue forever. And we have one of our Yes Bundle Birth employees, but I have to personally introduce her because Michaela Sheminot is one of the reasons why I'm going to get emotional, why I am who I am. Today, she's, I consider her one of my mentors. She came alongside of me and believed in me and saw leadership capabilities in me early on in my career now, like years and years ago. And I eventually took over her job in the hospital. And I was supposed to be there for her birth. And then now she works at Bundle Birth as one of our mentors in the mentorship program. It is just like incredible how life works. And really to be able to continue to work with you, even though we live states apart now, and for you to be able to pour into these nurses, really representing everything that we dream of a Bundle Birth nurse being, Mikkel, you embody and so it's so fun that you get to learn learn from them in mentorship but they get to learn from you in mentorship and we today so all of that being said is that today we get to talk about change and here at bundle birth we talk a lot about change we challenge you to change all the time in physiologic birth we tell a story if you've been to that class about throwing the starfish back in the water meaning every single patient matters and whether they're micro changes leading to macro impact by the way that is a mikhelism um that all of the little things that we do they matter and they 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 come together for the greater bigger picture. When we say change the game, that's what we talk about. When we're when we're asking you to do hard things or we're asking you to stand up for your patient and advocate in various ways, those are little changes that are contributing to a greater change in obstetrics. And so this is where this episode to me is for everybody. It is if you are new, if you are seasoned, we are going to talk about change today. And we have the expert in change who has led. She's so humble. She's going to like roll her eyes and be like, no, it's nothing. But this girl has led change in every single role that she's been in, which I'll let her introduce herself in a second and tell you what she's done. But I would first like to ask or you can you can introduce yourself and then tell us the sorts of changes that you've been a part of. They've been big. I've personally experienced them when I worked with her on the floor and then she's gone forward and just been involved in various change movements. And she does it with grace, with compassion in a non-offensive, non sort of threatening way, but this little powerhouse, and she is, I say little because she's truly like really little when you meet her, but this little powerhouse just leads out and just gets things done. And she's so well-respected. She's so well-spoken. And I will say that if at the end of this episode, you're like, give me all the things she's like, I can tell you're overwhelmed by how many good things I'm telling about you, but I really mean every single one, that if you want more, we do have a class that is the last class in our 12-month mentorship program. So you get it through mentorship, but if you want it and you consider yourself a leader on your unit, which I'm going to say I that I believe you that every single one of you are leaders on your unit, but that's your own process, that we do have a class called Leading Change that Mikkel taught where she walks you through every step you have to take to lead change. And so we're going to talk about change today. I'm going to let her introduce herself. And then Justine has a change that none of us know. And Mikkel's going to mentor her through live slash pre-recorded, but live on this call um, as we learn about change and we continue to be better at this and learn strategies to really making change that lasts. And so I told them that like, I really wanted to do this intro because I have so much to say. They're all laughing at me, but Mikkel, I would love for you to introduce us. But Mikkel, I would love for you to introduce yourself and then tell us some of the change projects that you've been a part of to sort of let them know that like this is, and you can brag a little, tell them, tell them what's up. 
Sarah and Justine, thank you so much for, for having me. And yes, I am definitely overwhelmed, uh, but in such a good way, overwhelmed with love um, and very humbled uh, by, by that introduction. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to work with Sarah and Justine at Bundle Birth. And um, just in, in watching Sarah grow, as she mentioned, the amazing changes that, that she's been a part of, that we were a part of together, um, that I've got to see her ripple effect into the birth world. Um, and not just at a hospital, uh, not just at home, e everywhere um, worldwide. And so to just be a part of this bundle birth global nurse effort um, is truly phenomenal. And to work with so many change agents, um, including all of you in, in in mentorship, but those of you listening, tuning in, um, this is just a really neat movement uh, to, to be a part of. And so it's bigger than this podcast. It's bigger than the class leading change. Uh, this is truly a global movement. So um, as Sarah mentioned, my name is Michaela Sheminant. I am a nurse that's worked in labor and delivery and women's health. And I've been a part of different aspects of change in different aspects of nursing. And so um, at the bedside, in labor and delivery, in childbirth education, in nursing education, in volunteer work through A1 and through quality collaboratives. Um, I've got to see changes at different levels in different settings and always been energized by it. And as much as I love birth, I love birth, I love birthing families, but nothing excites me more than um, kind of facilitating the environment for better births, for, for women and families to walk out of their birth experience feeling so empowered, so positive, and just powerful uh, for what comes next. And so um, this gives so much meaning to me. Um, Sarah asked specific changes, you know, that I've been a part of and anything from, you know, skin to skin in the OR, aromatherapy, um, ambulatory epidurals, um, having different educational programs, different guest speakers, uh, working in different simulations and incorporating that into didactic. Uh, so various settings, but also various changes. And these changes can be something small as maybe we could look at doing this training a little bit different. Maybe we could run this simulation a little bit different. Maybe we want to come at this from another angle. Or this can be like, you know what? Like, why don't we have nitrous? Like, maybe we should tackle that, like at our hospital. So, so small changes, large changes. Um, you know, this is bundle birth. So I feel like I can say this just offering underwear, right? Team underwear. So, so little things um, and big things, but they all add up and they all make a difference. Well, I'm just reminded of how lucky we are that you're on our team. Thank you. Tell me about it. Oh my gosh. Oh. And I'm like, I know you just had a baby, but I, my little, my little CEO brain is like, Ooh, we need more Mikkel, but we're, you're here. So we'll just keep bringing you back. We haven't yeah, even gotten we'll started. Start I'm like, just keep talking. <laughs> just keep talking. <laughs> I'm present. <laughs> we are going to put Mikkel on the spot and have her just talk us through this change. And so I'm very curious to Justine. She has an idea. She told us that she has an idea of a change project that she would like to do on, on her unit. And so Justine, if you wouldn't mind sharing what that idea is, and then all the listeners out there, you're going to get get an insider view of basically like a change consulting call. And then Mikkel will kind of wrap everything up for us. Now, I'm hoping that it is a project we can walk through and, you know, we can just edit this all out if it's not. But I want to beef up our antepartum care. So we are getting a new, brand new, beautiful 33 bed NICU, and it's opening like this week and it's beautiful. And so we're to fill up a NICU, you need patients to fill that up, right? So we are also creating a high-risk antepartum unit to fill up our new brand new NICU. So, which makes sense. Our antepartum care is lacking, I think, overall in general at many hospitals. They're kind of our forgotten patients a lot of times. And I knew when I was an antepartum patient, I was like, man, we could do better, you know, with this. Like, you're just bored in this room. Like, what is happening? So the idea is, I have no idea what you guys are going to think of this. I want to bring in volunteer hairstylists to come do our antepartum patient's hair. So it could be either while they're staying or do we do it after their baby is born and they're like now NICU moms in postpartum and they're like staying there those like three or four days. 
on postpartum. So I will say that I do have the support of the manager. She's like, I think we can make it work. And I said, okay, well, let me, let me do a proposal. Cause it's like, it has to go up the higher levels, but I, this is the project I want to walk through. I know it's like, not like skin to skin. It's not nitrous. This is like, so random. I know perfect. I was not expecting this. This is great. I, I love this. Okay. Well, so all of our projects, right. We come with the purpose to enrich our, our, the experience for those that we serve and for those that we care for. Yep. And being, being a postpartum mother, I feel like I can address this specifically right now. Like it would be nice to like, Oh, feel a little more put together and, you know, mental, emotional health, physical health, it all goes together. So Justine, I think, I think this is a great change that you're looking at implementing. And it sounds like you already have been asking questions. I feel like all changes start with questioning, right? So you have this new NICU, you have this new space, you know that you're going to have a larger antepartum population. You're asking, how can we enhance the care that we're providing for this new population? How can we make it better, right? And one of the ways that you've thought of as you've questioned is like, okay, let's, let's have them have their hairstyle. Let's, let's bring in volunteers from the community, um, which is a great way to involve the community in care too, because then they feel a part of the care that's being given. Um, so I think, I think that's fantastic. You're also looking now at like time and timing, which is a part of like any change in any change process. And so is this the right time? It sounds like it is. You've got a new space for it. You mentioned you have your manager's support, um, which is also really important. And I do feel like, you know, even something to consider, which I wouldn't have thought of this five years ago, but now it's like, okay, we had a global pandemic, <laughs> you know, is, is this the right time? Are visitors allowed in the hospital again? <laughs> like, are we having volunteers that are able to be there? And, um, and, and yeah, I think there's a lot of boxes that as you think through this, your, your timing could be really well. Um, and so it sounds like, you know, your kind of next steps are thinking about how do I actually go about this change? Is that kind of where you're at? Yes. I need to know how to go about it, how to create a proposal, even like, how do I talk to the big wigs in the C-suite and tell them to let me do this? <laughs> Okay, perfect. So before you go to the big wigs, before you have your proposal, let's just like write some things down on paper. Let's just like do a little think tank brainstorm. And so just just look at what is this change actually going to involve? What are the steps? So let's plan it out. Okay. Um, and so as far as who are your volunteers from the community going to be and how do you plan on recruiting them? Yeah, this is a really good question. So I'm trying to think of like, how do I sustain this? Right. Cause like the first time I can probably get a ton of people, but how do I keep that going? And so that is, I don't know the answer to that. I know the first time it was like a friend and a couple of her friends. Like I already have someone that's like, I would love to do that. And I know so many people that would love to do that, which was encouraging to me. And I think what you like nailed it on the head too, of like people in our community, helping people in their community. A lot of people, like I've had a baby that would feel so good. There's a lot of just like feel good feelings all around. Like the oxytocin is flowing. I feel like with both of these <laughs> sets of people, maybe too much in our antepartum patients, maybe we shouldn't be doing that, but um, there would be, I but I don't know, would there be a sign up? Would there be a link? Does it have to go through the hospital website? Like, you, you know, do the hair for our antepartum patients. That's where it gets a little tricky to make it last. Yeah. Do I think I could have like one day in May where everyone does their hair? Sure. But like, does it, is it once a month? Is it once a week? Is it just for patients that are there for longer than a month? What's the, there's so many. So I'm glad we're doing this thing. <laughs> but I think that's important and- to hear. Like, this is all the things that matter. Like there's a lot of little nuances. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, you talk about the things I've learned through business. It's like constant change, right? Like if you're going to implement like an add a product to the website, it's a big deal. I also think about maybe the the like what's the process for volunteerism Mm -hmm. and like what kind of hospital orientation do they have to do? They have to be like hired as a volunteer. They can't just show up to the front door and you let them in, you know, and so they have to go through what what's the orientation? What's the onboarding for a volunteer to become a volunteer? Yeah, Which could be a barrier. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, no, and that's a good point. And I'm already, I hear that I'm overwhelmed. Circling back, think like with any change that you're going to like start, what program or what infrastructure, what system exists already that's similar to the change that you want to implement, right? So is there already a volunteer program for pet therapy or or, or any, you know, are there volunteer doulas, you know, at at, at the hospital? Or is there some type of volunteer program that 
already exists because if it already exists, it's already been approved, you know, it's already functioning. It would behoove you to try to mimic that, you know, as far as the pattern that's already in place. And so, um, is there a volunteer program that works in NICU, postpartum, mom, baby, labor and delivery already? Yes, we have a volunteer student program. Awesome. So how do students, how are they recruited and how do they sign up for that program? On the website, I don't know about recruitment. That's a great question. They just show up and are like, I'm here to help. So that would be something for me to investigate. Okay, perfect, perfect. So, so that, that goes on the list, right? R- write that down as far as like, okay, here's like a concrete step that I can take in, in moving this forward. How do we have our volunteer students come? Because mm-hmm. um, we've had volunteer students at facilities I worked at as well. And there is an application process. Mm-hmm. And with volunteer services, there's usually an application process as well. And so would want to go through that same process for these, these hairstylists. And granted, with all changes, make it as simple as possible. We would want to make this, especially when we're looking for volunteers, you know, the, the less complicated this can be for them, great. You know, so if this can be a simple online form that they can fill out and then they enter, you know, they get cleared and enter the database, great. Whatever program is already in place, try to mimic that process uh, as close as you can. Perfect. Great. Would it be worthwhile, and maybe it's just more work, but like to find somebody that leads that program or was a part of that change and find them and be like, let me pick your brain. Exactly. So that's who you're also going to want to bring on your team, right? So that's now going to be somebody that's involved in the process, experienced with the process, seen it evolve, seen what worked in the process and what didn't work in the process. So that kind of eliminates a lot of your like plan, do, study, act cycles when it's like, okay, like they've tested this change, they've practiced it, like they have a process that's working and is sustainable. Mm -hmm. So that's going to save you a lot of work just by by capitalizing on, on their efforts. Great. I love that. Okay. Okay. So, so looking at where you're at now, recruitment, you know, maybe we could think of how you want to, um, kind of advertise or market. I know. And then like, they have a, like our hospital has an Instagram and a Facebook and like in the community. So that's one way for sure. Okay. Word of mouth, I think would help a lot of the students I know do word of mouth with each other. Um, I was even thinking when you said that though, like we could have our students, like if they really love like braiding hair, they could even like wash and braid hair, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but now I'm like rabbit hole. I think that's a hard part too, Mikhail. How do you like narrow down and focus on the goal? I think I, that's one of my issues. Yeah. I think for a lot of us, because we're dreamers, right? Those of us that are like, I want to make these changes. We think of all these big ideas and sometimes it's like, oh, which I did, do I want to start with? And how do I rein in, you know, kind of my thoughts and my dreams so that I can focus on one and actually see it come to fruition and then move on to the next one. And so I think when you initially pitched this idea, you, your initial thought was let's have hairstylists from the community come in and do hair for these women. Mm -hmm. Let's start there. Let's yeah. have that be the change. So community-based hairstylists coming to the hospital and let's say, try it out, try it out on a, a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis. I mean, these, uh, you know, high-risk antipartum women that are stuck in the hospital for weeks, months at a time, it's like the weeks are long, right? The days are long. And so start with once a week. And if that seems, you know, then we could, you know, kind of collect data from these women, you know, is it too much? Is it not enough? Do they want to be seen? Because we all know when you go to get your hair done, it's not just about having your hair styled. It's about having a therapeutic conversation. It's like, I know when I go get my hair done, it's like, oh, I get to talk to this hairstylist about everything else that's going on. So I think not just feeling more put together, but also having that communication, that contact, these women are lonely, they're isolated, um, I think could be really therapeutic for them. So start once a week, start with community recruited hairstylists coming into the hospital, start with the volunteer program that already exists for students, 
and try to find a specific point person in that department that can guide you as far as like, mm-hmm. here's how people apply. And here's how we reach out to students. Um, because as you mentioned, social media is incredibly powerful. Also reaching out to specific just salons, taking a flyer by, you know, certain salons, um, whatever works. I'm wondering what about, cause really I'm thinking now. So it's like, what's the goal? The goal is to make them feel good. Like you said, to make them feel like you're so right. They're so lonely having a conversation. Why are you here? And if they want to share that and they can just tell their story, you know, but, um, even like the local college, the cosmetology students, that might even be better. Justine. Yes. I love that you're like talking this out loud. And this is something that we do with changes, right? Yeah. We meet together. It's like changes don't happen in isolation. Changes yeah. don't happen by ourselves. Changes happen together. They happen with people. And so part of our planning, part of working out a change is assembling your team. We're a team right now. We're discussing mm-hmm. this. We're hashing this out. We're talking it out. I think a cosmetology school would be a phenomenal idea. You could even partner with them and it could be part of their, maybe they're required to do some community service hours. And that could really help if it's a requirement for them as part of like their community service or the number of hours they have to complete. um, Then I think that really drives commitment. I think that you will have a better retention uh, with this change. I am so excited. It's like literally across the street. Like they could walk. Perfect. Stop. Yes. Like, well, and cosmetology, I'm thinking too, like they get their nails done that if I was in the hospital, I am such a bougie little person, but like (laughs) if my, if I was in the hospital for a month, I would be very upset about not being able to get my nails done for sure. No. And like, I do that regularly. I can't even handle. And I, so I will say I did get my haircut from the cosmetology school last August and for a trim, it took two and a half hours which I'll never go back. It was $7 though. So like it was nice, but my time is worth more than that. But (laughs) two and a half hours, that's a long time for them to talk to the patient. Like the patient might like that. They might like that time of like someone is in here hanging out with me, like you said. And it does take, you know, it could take a while to wash their hair, but who doesn't love that? It feels great, you know? And I did talk to one of the stylists that I was with this weekend and she was like, I have my own bowl. I just need a sink. And so I guess they have like portable wash bowls that they put into the sink. And I had no idea this stuff existed. So they have like travel. She was like, I need a little stand. And I was like, Oh, we got those, like those Mayo stands. You were good. (laughs) We got that. So that's exciting. I'm glad, like you said, I'm glad we're talking this out. So as we're talking this out, Justine, I'm going to kind of shift us into where Sarah started to go a little bit earlier, which is great as far as like, okay, what are the barriers that you could encounter as far as implementing this change? Um, What might stand in your way of of implementing the change? And as we've been talking, okay, cosmetology students, um, as we start to think about those things, I start to think about like, okay, anytime in a hospital, infection control and hygiene is going to come Mm -hmm. So if we're talking about like using, you know, uh, different um, hair products, combs, brushes, dryers, you know, things like that, um, I feel like one of the things that could come up from your hospital's perspective is how are we ensuring hygiene? And Mm -hmm. if we're doing single use kits that are being put together, um, what's the cost, you know, kind of ramifications or you know, even maybe taking a couple steps back, really partnering with the students at the cosmetology school or their teachers and what do they need? You know, cause mm-hmm. it could also be pretty simple. You know, it's like, they're, they're not doing a full cut and color by any means, but you know, we're talking about, you know, painting some nails, you know, maybe they have their own nail polish that, that they keep there that they, that they use. Um, or maybe, you know, they have just, comb, brush, you know, there's very disposable ones that are already used. I feel like in most hospital settings as well, but, um, just to kind of get you thinking, what are some of the barriers? Um, hygiene is the first that comes to mind to me, but are there barriers that come to mind, uh, for you? No, yes. The hygiene. And now when you said products, I'm like, Oh, allergies. Um, yes. Big one. So like, um, as far as like employee health, you know, might be a part to reach out to, or even like anytime you think infection control, hospital epidemiology might be another, you know, department to just consider, 
shooting an email out to and just saying, hey, here's a project that we're working on rolling out. Do you have any concerns about this? What is the first thing that comes to your mind? So I should I do risk management too, just to like, they're just overall risk. Should I send them an email too? Yeah. Yes. And, and emailing these people with your manager, knowing that you're emailing them prior. So, and also CCing them, I think communication in any, in any change is paramount and can make or break your change. And so you already have your manager's support. And so keep them, they are your partner, you know, in change. And so as like, we kind of finish this brainstorming session, as you build your team, make sure your manager is a part of that team. And then just always keep him or her in the loop and as a quick CC on these email communications so that they just know what's going on. Okay, great. I have a barrier potentially. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm thinking about comparing the cause because the cosmetology school could be like a really easy, consistent in right? Yeah. That it's just every cohort that goes through, it's like they are part and they have access to be like a volunteer or something. Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Mind you, I also think about these sort of like, I say vulnerable, not because they're weak, but like they're vulnerable. They're in a vulnerable state. They're like emotional. They're going through a lot. And to have a kid come in to do my hair and mess it all up, and then I already am carrying enough. Like it doesn't feel as pampery to me to have mm-hmm. a professional come in and do my hair than it does to have like somebody coming in to experiment. And then are the hospital people, the, the hospital people, the people in the hospital, like the patients, are they feeling like they're being taken advantage of because it's getting clinical hours versus the intent of like, we want to help you feel mm comfortable and clean and put together and you know like if I'm I'm not I will not let the cosmo this is so I mean I'm just being honest but like I'm not gonna let the cosmetology school kids do my nails I'll call my own lady in you know <laughs> and there'll be a visitor bringing all their own stuff I don't know I don't mean to be a Sarah, Daddy I down. love, no, I love that you're bringing this yeah, up. This is why like in quality, we talk about tests of change, right? You're going to do something and see how it works. You're going to try it out on a small scale with maybe one or two or three, you know, start small patients and see what's their feedback. How does this go? Mm. Were they like, no, I don't want the student to touch my nails or my hair. Or were they like, I want anyone to touch me. I want anyone to talk to me because I'm that isolated and that vulnerable and lonely at this point in time. Or when we get feedback from the actual um, cosmetologist or cosmetology student, did the student say like, wait, I wasn't equipped for this. Like this, Mm. this actually is a situation that like, I felt vulnerable and, and uncomfortable because I, I might be, I might not quite have the same life maturity to have the perspective to even really understand what's going on or happening here. Um, or maybe it works really well and it's like, okay, how do we just make it better? How do we keep this going? But in any change that is, is implemented, I think, you know, having that pause, test the change and then evaluate the change and see how it goes. That's, that's a big part of what we do. I think one of my takeaways already for this is how important these roundtables are. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you have a change idea, pull your nurses together at the nurses station or grab a couple of your friends over drinks or join your I have another practice I, council. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And just, and say like, but come prepared in a way that's like, what do you see as the barriers? Mm-hmm. You know, here's what it is. And maybe not from the beginning, Mikhail, you can chime in on here, but like, I think what I'm seeing is that we all just have unique perspective and somebody who like me gets my nails done super regularly. It's like and when I when I left the hospital, I literally told God, like, please don't make me leave my apartment and I just want to keep doing my nails. Like it's like a thing. I really like having my nails done. And that's something that like I won't get I won't give up if I can prevent it. And so, you know, I'm gonna have a different perspective than Justine will. And Mm -hmm. then Mikkel will, et cetera. And so I think sort of putting heads together to give some, give perspective is an important part of it, right? 
Exactly. And that's the value of these round table of this for right here. We're all couch conversations. And mm-hmm. I want to like put it out there as Sarah mentioned, like at the nurse's station, like this can be informal. You don't have to set up like an official meeting for this. This is just the time that we're chatting with each other, chatting on the floor in the break room at the nurse's station saying like, Hey, what do you guys think about that? This, this change, what do you, what are your guys' thoughts? And usually even when you just put something kind of out there, open-ended, um, you'll get feedback and you'll get opinions. And so a, make sure you're ready, you know, to receive the feedback, make sure you're ready for the opinions and B, make sure you kind of already know what do you want to do? What, what, what do you want to do? And so, um, maybe a better way of putting it out there instead of saying, what do you think about this is, Hey guys. So there's this change that I'm really excited about, or here's something that I'm really interested in because then they already know you're communicating that like, here's something that matters to you. Like, this is something that you've thought about. This is something that you care about and think has value. And then what do you think about it? You know, how do you think we could roll this out? What could get in the way um, or what could make it work? How could we make it work? And, um, you've put out your kind of stance and then you're welcoming theirs. You're, you're welcoming their, their input. And that, as you start to roll things out, they'll be like, Oh yeah, Justine talked to me about this a couple months ago. Like I remember her thinking about this, like I thought it was a good idea and she talked to me about it and I gave some input. So yeah, I want to get on board. And I think when we make any change, it's so important to remember the individual person. And this is something we talk a lot about in the class leading change is how to move people, how to influence people. Because the change isn't just putting the products and the nail polish and the hair, you know, brushes and combs and blow dryers. It's not just putting those in the rooms. That doesn't change anything. What changes is the people, is the hairstylist coming in and spending the time. It's the nurse facilitating the appointment. It's the people that have to make the change. And so I think that's something also just to remember in not just this change, but in making any change is we're influencing the person and they are the one that's going to change their behavior. I can't make Justine do something different. I can't make Sarah do something different, but I can influence and encourage and lead by example so that then they can decide to do something differently themselves. So let's just say she does all of this. She's brought it to the team. There's some strategy. They've worked out some barriers. She's brought in the right people. Can you just kind of give us a picture, Mikkel, of what this could look like to like put it into play? and make this hairstyling pampering sesh happen for your patients. Yes. So I feel like Justine now knows what she wants, right? She's like, I want, whether it be the cosmetology students or actual professional cosmetologists coming into the hospital, taking a one-on-one time appointment with the patient once a week um, to do their hair and paint their nails. Is that right, Justine? Yeah. Can we just pause? Like how nice would that be? Like, this is just so lovely. Like, you know, well, and from a business perspective, this sets your hospital apart. Like if I'm an antipartum patient and I know you have this program, I'm going to be more drawn to, to like, for my antipartum stay. I don't know if you, I would necessarily have control over that, but I'd be like, I want to go there. Right. My water breaks at 32 weeks. I'm going there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. It's worth the extra 10 minutes. (laughs) Hey, hey, in hospitals, hey, you generate patients, you generate income. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it is all, all a business as well. So, um, so I feel like you figured out what you want, right, Justine? Yes. Okay. So then you have, you know, the next steps are you have some people to consult, right? You want to work out, okay, what about infection control? I want to run this by epidemiology. I want to run this by, you know, the other volunteer programs to see how they do it logistically, uh, whatever groups you need to go ahead. Sorry. So it, I am like a fast, like as soon as you say this, I'm like, I'm already going to email the cosmetology school today. And I know that's not appropriate. So do I get all my answers from the hospital first before I go to them? Or do I go to them saying they're willing and then bring that to the hospital? Who's first. I mean, besides like my manager, my director, my direct, like people I re- uh, respond to, like, what would I do? Help me. No, that's a really good question. I, because you're bringing the change to the hospital, check with the hospital first. You're you're bringing the change into into that home, right? If you're bringing the change into your home, into the cosmetology studio's home, ask them first. So ask, ask the hospital's permission first and say, here's this idea. Are you comfortable with me reaching out to them? And I think 
you know, just in our communication change, not necessarily about specific change, but getting an invitation and being asked about something first, here's something I'm thinking about, here's something I'd like to do. Uh, it warms people up. They're just more receptive and they've heard something about it before you actually bring them a proposal. Go ahead. Sarah. I think this is a really good point too, to just say out loud that I think it's easy to get excited about change. We talk about this so much in mentorship and then you just like go for it. And where sometimes that can actually bite you in the ass because it's like you, you're you so excited, but then all of a sudden your manager hears that you've reached out in hypothetically speaking to the cosmetology school that it's like, wait a second, where, where, who, who gave you permission to do that? How did you think that was okay? What did you tell them? And all of a sudden you're like, no, 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 my energy, I was just excited. And, but this is why the leading change class is so important of like literally step-by-step walking it through or using the stuff from this from this podcast because you don't want to piss off the wrong person unintentionally because of your energy and so often with so many of you bundle bird nurses that are so passionate and excited and ready to do the work it's like you inadvertently piss the wrong person off and then you end up with more barriers and this is what I will say Mikkel will never say this out loud Mikkel knows her process it's so easy to get excited but you roll it back and you're like, wait a second, we have to do this before we get there. And you over communicate that I have taken from you. I think about you. You don't know this. I think about you all the time where I'm like, okay, <laughs> slow it down. Cause I get ahead of myself and I'm like, let's do it. And now I sort of can, cause I am the boss, but you know, you want to, you want to walk your way through on easy water and set yourself up for sustainable and like successful change. Correct. Anything you want to say about that? But I just, I have to point this out because this is something you are so good at, Mikkel. And I think is a potential barrier to anybody coming in excited to make change. Well, I want to say first, like I, um, I'm good at it because I learned the hard way, right? Because I had that enthusiasm. I still have that enthusiasm, but I've learned to channel it. And I think that when we talk about quality improvement, pacing the process is really important. And one of the things we talk about in the class, you know, as far as like time and timing, right, um, is also waiting. That can be part of the timing, right? And so um, you have to give yourself enough time to get all your ducks in a row. You have to look at, okay, what are all the barriers and work out solutions to those barriers, even if they don't actually happen. These are potential barriers, but it's worth it in the planning phase, in the beginning phase to take some time and say, what am I going to do if this becomes a barrier? How could we troubleshoot that if it becomes a barrier? Um, and this might be a point, uh, Sarah and Justine, where we could just talk and we go into way more depth in the class, but just something to be familiar with. Change management, most organizations use the plan, do, study, act model. And we use it in the class, but we also build on it a little bit. But what we've been doing, kind of hashing this out, sitting on the couch, talking, you know, what are our barriers? What's our plan? That's all the planning phase. Um, if this was a project that we needed a little more literature meat behind, that we needed evidence to back up the change that we want to do, this specific one that we're looking at right now, we just know it's nice. It feels good. It's therapeutic. People like getting their hair done. I don't need, you know, a lit review to tell me that people like that. I might, there might be something out there though. Like hospitals may have brought people in to do, and I can, and I can look that up. I'm sure there might be something out there. You could, and it would definitely add strength to your proposal. I mean, anytime you can pull what, you know, regardless of the grade of evidence, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, very subjective opinion pieces, you know, when it comes to what, people's views are on having their hair done in the hospital. But, um, you know, it, the point is, you know, literature can always strengthen your argument. It can always strengthen your change. However, there are certain changes like the one right now that we may not need quite as much meat, but there are others like implementing, you know, nitrous or medication administration that you are going to need some serious evidence to back up your change. So that all needs to happen before this is even pitched. So pace the process, figure out, okay, um, what is exactly my change going to be? Do I have evidence to, to support it? How is it going to work? You know, step-by-step step. and then, um, go ahead, sir. Well, I was just thinking too, along the way, where does money fit in? Because I think these nurses, like you're not a part of budget meetings 
And the, but the bottom line is the bottom line and that's all that matters a lot of places. And so it's sort of also what's it going to cost and where's the money coming from? I, I would be asking that question. Where does that fit? You know, obviously this would be a volunteer program, but would there be costs for the hospital? And that's a great question to always ask in the planning meetings. And yes, you guys may not be sitting at budget meetings, but you have a budget brain, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. I, oh, you know, if I'm talking about getting every patient their own birthing ball on the unit, that's going to be a lot more expensive than getting a comb, you know, or a pick or a brush. Right. And so, you know, just kind of even knowing, just being aware of what things cost, I think that's, you know, part of being involved in change, just being aware, but also like that's where partnering with your manager becomes so important. Again, they do sit on those meetings um, and they do have, you know, some flexibility within their budget and what's going to be a priority this year versus next year, as far mm -hmm. as making you know, different changes happen. And most managers, most leaders, when they have a change agent, that's like, I want to make this happen. I want to do this. That's employee engagement right there. That's somebody that's going to drive something forward. They want a better experience, you know, on their unit. And so they're very, very likely, you know, to partner with you and support you um, in figuring that out. This is so helpful. Great. And that's it for someone like me, like Sarah said, I need the pacing and I am, I have pages. Of okay. What's next? What, your what eye roll do? there was so good. You're like, I can see your brain being like, oh man, this is more work than I thought. <laughs> Wait, where I want to like pause, right? That that's yeah. a pausing point because I think a lot of times as we sit in these meetings, I know myself like coming to these like patient-centered council meetings or unit practice council meetings or you know just just a staff meeting and being like I have this idea and I'm so excited about it and then you put it out there and you get a lot of feedback and it's like man, this is a lot of work. This is a lot of time. Again, going back into change requires time and timing. And so I think it, it's good perspective for us, but it's also a point not to be like totally deflated and discouraged. It's just a point to be like, okay, noted, noted, noted. Like I can, I, I, I can look into that. Like there, there's an action item. And noting who else is at this meeting, who else is on your team, because it's also a point to delegate, right? Because you should not have to do this change by yourself. It will be better and more sustainable if you incorporate others into making this change happen. And so as you know, it doesn't have to be you that calls volunteer services. It doesn't have to be you that reaches out and emails epidemiology. Someone else can do that. And even though it might take a little bit longer, again, pace the process because they're involved, they're engaged in the change and they can help you, you know, not only roll it out or test it, but they can also help you plan it and figure out what you need to before you're ready to go. Um, so once it's all planned, then going back to the plan, do steady act, then you're actually going to try it. I had mentioned test the change before, try it, see how it goes soft step-by-step -step rollout, you know, a couple of patients and then huddle after. And, um, we've talked a lot in this kind of planning session, and I don't want that to seem overwhelming. It really can just be like a couch conversation. Let's plan this out. Let's take some time. Let's get some actual steps of how this is going to work. I know Carly next door who wants to come try this out on our unit, who's a cosmetologist, try it with Carly, have her come do it for three patients, but then you need to be able to measure, you know, this, this change. And so have, you know, some questions that you're going to ask Carly after each patient and that you're going to ask the patient. And then you can look at those questions after, see how it went and make changes going forward. And, you know, it's, it's really important to look at the small wins in your test of change, Justine. For those three patients, even if you just do it for those three patients, it was three patients that had their hair and their nails done. Mm -hmm. And I guarantee you their stay, their week, their day, their month, two months, you know, I, I don't know how long, you know, they're going to be there, but it will be better because of that change, even in the test phase. That's a nice way to see that. Okay. So, and then I do it. I try it. Then what's next? Yeah. So you try it, you've tested it out and how did it go? It's simply sitting down and evaluating and you're going to look at, okay, maybe you had the questions for the nurses and the questions for the patients that they answered after a fact. If everybody said like, oh yes, we loved it. Keep doing what you're doing. 
roll out the process on a larger scale. If there were concerns like, oh, you know what? Timing was tricky. They came to do my hair and it was at the same time that they came to do my amniocentesis. Like scheduling this was hard. So then you talk with your team and say, okay, how do we optimize the schedule of when the volunteer comes so that the patient is ready? Or they came during lunch or they came during breakfast. I mean, so there's some of these things that you can anticipate, you know, prior to rollout, but not everything can be anticipated in the planning phase. Other barriers come up during the evaluation phase. And so then you tweak those changes and try again. So it's a cycle, you know, plan, do, study, act is a cycle. And you try, try, try again and until the ball's rolling. And then it just snowballs and it gets heavier. We've been a had a lot of avalanches here in Utah. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. heard about that. No. But a lot of rolling snow that becomes heavier and thicker than concrete, which has been, you know, kind of just interesting to think about as I've been thinking about changes. Um, my son is like super into like watching how these machines have cleared out these avalanches and they seriously have to like take saws and like cut the snow mud uh log cement mixture that's been made by these avalanches. And so Wow just about as we make these changes, yeah, they're a cycle. They start as these snowballs rolling down the mountain, but um, what they can become is they become cemented and uh, and lasting uh, once they work. And so it's worth pacing the process. It's worth taking the time to make it work so that your change sticks. I'm excited to get the nurses together that, you know, we're thinking about this and like present all this information. Yeah. I want to first say too, Justine, I'm really excited. Like I want to, I'm excited for you and for the nurses that you've been talking this out with on your unit. I think, you know, uh, we, we come together during times of, of stressing and codes and, and different things, but we also come together on change and it's like, there's nothing that like unifies a unit. Um, like change in a positive way when, when it's done well and when it's done, including everybody and engaging everybody, it's like, yeah, we, we did this. We made things better together and we needed everybody to be a part of the team to make it happen. Um, and so I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you leading this out. I'm excited for your unit And I'm so excited for the families that are going to get to be a part of this new program. And then I'm excited for the hospitals it's going to spread to because every hospital I've worked at, you mentioned um, the antepartum unit is kind of feeling like the forgotten patients. And I feel like there's kind of been that vibe at places that I've been. And I think this is one way, this is one more thing that we can do um, to help them feel, feel safe, seen, and soothed, another uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> from Miss Krista uh, coming out. I think it's it's another way that we can definitely enhance the care that we provide to the families that we care for. Well, and I think about the snowball, the avalanche of like this works and you realize how easy it is to get volunteer programs in for antepartum, then you build out other needs that you identify that now they need the volunteer exercise. Doula like, or a volunteer doula, or they need like, you know, exercise fitness coaching in bed when they're on bed rest of how not, how to like, you know, they're worried about this or therapy, or, I mean, there's so many, and mind you, the hospital has therapy, but you just never know what needs may arise that then you start to, and that's the snowball of change, right? You start small with this hairdresser program that feels very non-clinical. It's like very non-threatening. It makes the hospital look good. It's not very expensive because it's a volunteer thing, you know, and like definitely you go, you get to go through the steps, but then it, easily you're like oh wait that worked now we have this whole program we built it into this amazing whatever where we have this whole like antepartum experience (laughs) that now what else can we do right and then you start to get a little more ballsy with some bigger things on your unit which is fun so i love that sarah and want to echo every change that you implement sets you up for the next change and every change that you implement makes the next change easier. Yeah, and not- I'm thinking like, I'm going to know all these people. I'm going to know employee health. I'm going to know hospital infection. I'm going to know risk. You're so right. And they're going to know me of like, oh, she like knows her stuff and knows how to work through the right systems. And we trust her, right? We trust her critical thinking, et cetera. That's so true. Exactly. You're building relationships and you're also building your experience. And so it's it's 
easier, you know, moving forward and, you know, pacing the process, the pace gets faster and mm -hmm. you'll build momentum, right? People are going to get more excited about the process. And instead of being like, oh, now what's happening? It's, oh, what's next? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what can we do? And it's just like birth, you know, when somebody has their baby and has a positive experience, they're like, what's next? You know, in, in, in parenting, they're looking forward to the future. And same thing with change. When they have a positive experience with change, when they trust you, when they trust the process and they're excited about it, then it's what next? What, what can't I do? We, you know, what, how can we keep moving forward? Mikkel, do you have any final tips for change? Like just like, I'll paint the picture that like, these are floor nurses, all and not all, all of you are floor nurses, but like the majority are going to be floor nurses that are energized by birth, energized by their job, or they want to be energized by birth in their job. And let's say that they have an idea in their head. What final tips do you have for leading out change? Yeah, thank you, Sarah. I, I feel like my my first tip would be try it. We're, we're all asking questions, right? We talked about the importance of questioning. That's where everything begins. And so, you know, instead of asking, why do we do this? Like ask yourself, why not? Why don't we do it another way? And, and have the courage to try it, you know, try doing it differently yourself and see if it works. And once you have a, a an idea, a process that's working for you, think about implementing it on a larger scale and then keep trying, persist. I feel like having the courage to do, the courage to try, and then the courage to persist and the stamina to persist um, mm -hmm. is incredibly important. And, and that is you. Like, I just want you to believe that like you can do it because if you're listening to this podcast, if you're taking time out of your day to tune in, to learn about change, you want it. And in the class, it's like, we talk about you. It's like, you're the 2%, you're the influencers, you're the dreamers, you're the doers that can drive this. And so my, you know, kind of summation or what I would want to say just to this group is try it, do it, you know, put in the time, put in the work. Um, you are capable of doing of doing exactly what you're hoping to do. And you might fall, you might struggle, but you get back up again and you try again. So try it, have the courage to try and have the courage to persist to keep trying. Thank you so much, Mikkel, for being here. This has been so fun. I'm like, this could become also a series. We have all these series ideas of like new change. Let's go through this change together. And so if we have other ideas, Justine, I'm going to be following up with you on this change and we can give updates in future podcasts. But I also want to remind you that if you loved this episode, if you were inspired by it, that Mikkel has taught an entire class that's available at bundlebirthnurses.com on the on-demand piece. If you don't know, we do have various on-demand classes there, but in this leading change, it comes with a workbook that like literally gives you email templates and step-by-steps and how to do a lit review and like how to really do this in a way where you don't get ahead of yourself and you can back it up and go through the steps to really learn how to create sustainable change because micro actions lead to macro impact. Thanks for spending your time with us here on this episode of Happy Hour with Bundle Birth Nurses. If you like what you heard, it helps us both if you subscribe, rate, leave a raving review, or share this episode with a friend. If you want more from us, head to bundlebirthnurses.com or follow us on Instagram or TikTok. Now it's your turn to go and ask the question, why not you? I think a lot of times we get caught up in the why me, why would I be the one? And so I want to challenge and push back, why not you? We'll see you next time.